thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Michelin Le Mans Cup on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Round two of the Michelin Le Mans Cup brings us to the Ardennes Forest and brings us to a classic Grand Prix circuit, the 7,004 metres of Spa-Francorchamps and no small undertaking in order to get here either. Sadly, once again, this race meeting being held firmly behind closed doors amid the COVID-19 pandemic, which again threatens to spike in various places around Europe. So I don't think it should be underestimated the fact that we can be here, we can be racing uh, under beautiful skies as well, but just a real shame uh, that we cannot get an audience in to witness it. But that means that you can... Uh, enjoy it more than all the more via uh, our TV coverage. So thank you for settling in for the next, well, two days, actually. Michelin Le Mans Cup qualifying about to take place. That's a split session for GT3s and LMP3s, a race to look forward to for these cars later on this evening. And then the European Le Mans series as well. They take uh, to the racetrack today for qualifying and then tomorrow for a four hours of Spa-Francorchamps build to start at 11 o'clock local time. So thanks for joining us. My name's Johnny Palmer. I'm joined to my right by John Heidhoff. And uh, we're settling back for a, a full weekend of sports car racing. In fact, two back-to-back weekends. We're not, we'll go around for the World Endurance Championship back home, uh, enjoying it uh, from our armchairs. But uh, from the ACO's perspective and from the FIA as well, I mean, 10 days, basically, of endurance racing right here at Spa, John. Nice to be back with you, JP, for the first time since 2016 on the 23rd of October in Estoril was the last time I joined you for uh, Le Mans uh, ELMS uh, and Le Mans Cup. And that was the final race for the Open Top LMP2s. It's a traditional pre of Le Mans event, isn't it, uh, at, uh, at Spa? And therefore, this sort of works. Not quite able to get the ELMS and therefore the Michelin Le Mans Cup along with the WEC all in the paddock. Uh, Le Mans Cup using the downhill pits, the older pits, endurance pits is the correct term, and that's why the Iron Links Ferrari has just popped out at the exit of uh, Radion. Claudia Schiavone first out in the Hublot, sponsored number 77. The very striking dark-coloured car with the yellow on it. The free-to-air streaming, very important for these two series. Uh, with uh, video and English and French commentary over the next couple of days for both the Le Mans Cup and indeed for the ELMS uh, series and able at least then to allow the fans to tune in to what is almost always, in fairness, JP, a fan favourite. Uh, and, and why not at 4.352 miles? I'll see your 7,004 <laughs> metres um, and, and raise you 4.352 miles of, of Spa-Francorchamps, which is a circuit that the drivers, and um, we've spoken to a number of 
of them this weekend already. They just they want to come back here. They'd race here every week if they could. It's one of those circuits that just offers everything, really. There are all sorts of different types of corner. You've got massive gradient change. You've got a rouge that we all know about, and Radion over the top. The Kemmel straight allows you to open up uh, these Ferraris, as we've got, in fact, in the whole of the GT3 category are all Ferrari 488 in the GT3 specification this weekend. Um, one or two teams have obviously not been able to make the trip to Spa. We did have a few more GT3s at Paul Ricard for the opening round. And speaking of Paul Ricard, we should fill you in if you don't already know that there's a story uh, this weekend that uh, we were all planned to go to the Barcelona circuit in Catalonia in the northeastern part of Spain. That's also massively affected by coronavirus and the decision was taken I think earlier on this week by the ACO announcement on Friday of this weekend that that event can no longer take place and in fact round three of the ELMS and the Michelin Allemand Cup we're going back to Le Castellet for uh, the third round of the championship and we'll be able to tell you possibly later on this weekend what that's going to be called yes yeah, we were in a meeting yesterday yeah, where um, we were almost yeah, contributing uh, and putting putting some ideas forward for uh, the title of that race because obviously we've already had the four hours of Le Castellet, so looking for a, a different way of uh, uh, putting that on the calendar. I'm, I'm still mightily impressed that, fingers crossed, we can get five races in before the end of the year. Uh, it was billed to be six, of course, before COVID-19 struck, but I think to still get five, when ELMS, if you go back far enough, was always a five-round season anyway, then that, that really is fabulous work from all those behind the scenes. Now, we always seem to talk, don't we, JP, about the weather here. By the way, it's only a 15-minute session, so get out there, get a couple of fast laps in and make sure you're happy, which is what's happening at the moment. No times yet, so we've got the opportunity to tell you about the weather. Normally, in this part of the world, we're talking about the chance of precipitation and Mother Nature sticking her oar in um, with with uh, dampness falling from the sky or some kind of fog or even hail and snow. That I always like to, to throw the word microclimate in as you well. Do, when micro, I'm at yeah. Yeah. And if you're playing the Johnny Palmer bingo at the moment, that's in the top left-hand corner. It, in, it is, but I don't need to today or indeed tomorrow because, I mean, it's just bonkersly hot. It's Well, that could be the story, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, Already yeah. 20... Uh, uh, this morning at 9 o'clock, it was 23 degrees. It's already up over 32 degrees Celsius. The track's starting to come up the temperature as well now. That's just over uh, 30 degrees Celsius as well. The forecast for this area is absolutely scorching over the next couple of days. 35 plus today, 37 to 39 for the ELMS, the European Le Mans Series race on Sunday. And that in itself will be a story with limited tyres for the top class of runners in the LMP2s. That's all to come later on today with qualifying. We'll have that live, free to air, no blocks, brakes or interruptions. Uh, on the streaming video, wherever you're watching now, you'll be able to see that uh, later on today. And then the whole of the four hours, of course, tomorrow as well. Uh, for the moment, the first time this morning, a mm. little Simpsons-like cloud, a little white pocket of cotton wool has gone across the sun over the start-finish line and down to the source. But, but, I mean, that's it. It has been absolutely cracking uh, here the last few days. 
Yeah, cracking the flags and uh, will continue to do so tomorrow as well. Cladis Givoni, first car across the line. I noticed that Michael Bronizhevsky set the time too, but he's had that immediately deleted because of his abusive track limits. And he's been taking quite a bit of curb as well. And speaking about tyres, less of a concern, obviously, is the tyre uh, condition across qualifying. But you really do have to nurse them across a stint, which is, by the way, somewhere between 55 and 65 minutes in the Michelin Le Mans Cup because you have to do a driver change roughly halfway into the two-hour race, which is to be held later on today. And each of your drivers, whether they are bronze or your B driver, which is most likely a silver or a gold, each of those individual drivers, regardless of grade, have to do at least 55 minutes of driving. So a question of uh, where you split it. Two Ferraris completely together here, and one drafting the other is the 67, yes, of uh, Murad Sultanov, who's just set a time to go fastest so far, 233.701. We're a long way off a good time from last year, and last year's session, I had to check, was held in dry conditions. 217.9 was Fabian Leverne's time, um, not quite 12 months ago, because uh, it was later on in the year, Spa, uh, last year, a September meeting from memory. But time's already starting to come in. Reno Mastronardi, who took pole at Le Castellet at the end of July uh, is now fastest in the number iron the number eight iron links Ferrari it's a 2.32 and that's because Murad's time was deleted it was under investigation it has been deleted for track limits it's happening very very quickly indeed the race control uh, race control have told everybody that it will all of this will happen very very quickly indeed deleted immediately so if, if yeah. you are found to have uh, transgressed and gone outside the white lines bronizhevsky's had a time taken off him skivoni i think had been up there and now he doesn't have a time so there's at least two 74 and 77 that have been deleted Sultanov still there, as far as I read it, 233.701 and second fastest, but he is a second off. Uh, and it all changes then as Bronizhevsky goes across the line. He was about to say he's a second off Mastronardi's time. Well, Mastronardi's no longer fastest because he's now third quickest behind Bronizhevsky, who's a whole six and a half seconds faster than, Scla than Claudia Schiavone, who's just crossed the line as well. So 223.9 is a very good time from the pole. Claudio Schiavone for the Iron Lynx squad, number 77, second fastest, and then third quickest for Reno Mastronardi. Although, as I say that, Murad Sultanov vaults himself back into the top three with a 232.5. So six Ferraris all circulating together in this 15-minute session. It was 15 minutes. It's now just six and a half minutes, though. And we have three from the Iron Lynx squad who scratch beneath the surface are pretty much AF Corsa, but Iron Lynx uh, become a brand in their own right this year. And they are the new home of the Iron Ladies as well in the European Le Mans series. Michelle Gatting and Manuela Gosner and Rahel Fry. Looking forward to seeing how they get on in qualifying later on today. But three Iron Lynx cars, three Kessel Racing cars, and uh, which is going to be the fastest of the six Ferraris? Six minutes to go. If you start a lap with a couple of seconds still on the clock, you will be permitted to finish that lap. So there is a chance of extending this session by two, three minutes, maybe, as the long run down the hill out of La Source across a, a large chunk of new asphalt there, I notice, on the exit of La Source. But O'Rouge still offering plenty of grip. 
That is uh, has been a little while since that's been resurfaced. Plenty of curb being taken by that Ferrari, by the way, at the top of the hill over at Radion. And the wall gets rather close to the side of the car on your left-hand side. There is plenty of runoff on the right-hand side, though. And that is where the endurance pit lane feeds back in. Not in use this weekend, though, apart from to get these cars out on track. When we get to their race later on today, they will be using the Grand Prix pits in order to make their stop halfway through the race. So it's going to have to be a satellite affair. Get the tyres up on trolleys. Tricky to do because it's so uphill from where they're actually based down in the endurance pit. I don't envy anybody there having to push up a, a full stack of tyres. And I presume they'll have to come wrong direction up the pit lane because coming through the back of the paddock, I'm not sure that, that there's an easy way through there, uh, to be honest. To get the car, yes. Well, it depends where they're going to be gridded up ahead of the rolling well, start. I'm talking they... about your pit equipment, if you've got to, to drag that up with a, a quad or something like that. Yes. Not the work of a moment. No, anyway. it certainly isn't. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, like a, your easiest way from bottom pit lane to top pit lane may, be, may well be to go the wrong direction. Yes. And get to the, uh, the, the level part of Spa-Francorchamps, if there is one. <laughs> As out of Campus Corner goes currently the fastest car out on track, which is Reno Mastronardi. This is a car he shares with Giacomo Puccini. They are championship leaders because they took the win last time out and the pole position as well. So it was a maximum 26 points to put the number eight car in the lead of the championship. I realise it's very early days after just one round. This it's weekend at Spa. Yeah, no, indeed. Yeah. True enough. And I think if you can go well at Paul Ricard, <laughs> we're going back there again. So, you know, two meetings at least at Le Castellet this year. And if you can show good speed there uh, on what is a very high speed track, then uh, you're looking good for Le Mans later on in the year. Because bear in mind, these cars will go to Circuit de la Sarte for two 55 minute races across Le Mans week. Now, in a normal Le Mans, the first race would be on a Thursday, the second race on a Saturday morning. It's all very condensed now, but we're definitely going to have one of these races on race morning, as in 24-hour race morning. as the little starter before the main course. Monza to come then on the 10th of October, and this championship will end at uh, the Algarve International Circuit in the south of Portugal, not very far away from the uh, Atlantic coast in Portimao. All subject to that big asterisk I know, that everything I know. has this year. We should always say that, and I know Portugal has really been through the wars lately, as have Spain, so we can only play as, as we call it right now, and I'm sure you know there are um, contingency plans afoot, and the situation constantly being looked at as well, but it's very, very difficult when the ground beneath you is constantly moving too. Two and a half minutes to go. 77 Hublot-sponsored Iron Links car heading into the bus stop chicane, so-called, because there used to be a bus stop-shaped part of the track there. Doesn't look like that anymore. But before you were born, that was it. A long time before I was born. I have driven the track in that configuration. Yes. When it used to be that quite a significant part of the track was open to public traffic when it wasn't being used. OK. So it was actually still the old bus stop. There you are. And it, it was it was part of the oh, way it was a lovely got part down. of the track. I mean, yeah. left, right, tricky technical chicane, but then the exit was so fast to the right and the left to take you back onto the, uh, the finish line. Mind, I have to say, I have now driven the circuit in this configuration as well at the Spa Classic, which was great fun. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm not a great one for track days, as anybody who knows me will, will say, but that was one I couldn't pass up. 
got the opportunity in between race sessions to uh, to go out in what was then the newly acquired 968 and find out what all the fuss about was about Spa. <laughs> and now I know. Yeah, you understand why everyone seems to have the bug as soon as they drive this place. Yeah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Are you sure you don't want to do it? No, I don't want to do it. OK, I'll do it. It's one thing watching a race round here, you know, from our position in the commentary booth, maybe in one of the grandstands as well. But till you've actually driven it, and I have been driven round it, you don't get a sense of the, the gradient change, how steep a rouge is, how steep how it is from the top. Is. Yeah, how steep it is from the top of Radion all the way up the Camel Strait to the Yeah, because you're still climbing, dragging all the way up the hill, yeah. all the way uphill. Absolutely. Suffice to say that I enjoyed it so much that when I got a second opportunity on the Sunday to do the same again, my uh, would you like to? Yes. <laughs> Didn't even have to be asked once, no. let alone twice. Well, I had to be persuaded the first time, yeah, okay. and, and I was and I was One pleased and a half I times. was. I was pleased I was. Bronischewski's going to try and keep Reno Mastronardi as honest as possible here. There's only a second between them. They're not on the same part of the track because that's Claudia Schiavone just ahead of Michael Bronischewski, and actually might not be able to get past him here at Blanchemont. It's really a single racing line. You've got 20 seconds on the clock. Are they going to get back to the oh, finish line tight. by the time that, that uh, those uh, seconds have trickled by? Remember, it's judged by the finish line rather than the start line, because here they're 122 metres apart, those two things. They're not going to get there. They're not going to get there. So this will be the final lap for both of these cars. Schiavone crosses the line. Does he improve? Yes, he does, a 226.6, but he's still going to stay third. A 225.8, in fact, for Schiavone, still third, though. And Bronizhevsky, no improvement. He's going to stay second at best. Lost another lap, Bronizhevsky, uh, in that. Lost his sixth lap as well, and that was before he even got to the line. So that had already been cancelled out. So it's eight Iron Links. 74 Kessel Racing, which has crossed the line. Iron Link 77 also having crossed the line. 50 Kessel Racing still out there with John Harchon on, on board. Murad Sultanov uh, is on the 67 in fifth position and moves up one position as he crosses the line. So that's pushed John down to fifth position. And Deborah Mayer in the Iron Links number nine at the moment in sixth position. Cars 8, 74 and 77, the top three as it stands, although Reno Mastronardi uh, is up on the clock as he comes through. Looks like he's got about a second, uh, a tenth of a second up on his previous time. Best of 2.22.8. Has he given it away in the last lap? Yes, he has. By two seconds, lifted off, I yeah. reckon. Got, got the nod from the team. I think he did. That nobody had improved, save a bit of life. Uh, in the Michelin tyres. Yeah, but no doubt about it, they were really going hell for leather. The two teams, Iron Links and Kessel Racing, fair to say no love lost between those two outfits <laughs> and a second the deficit in the end to Mikhail Bronizhevsky. Healthy rivalry? Healthy rivalry. No, no, absolutely. Um, and it's Switzerland versus Italy as well because Iron Links, Iron Links are Italian flagged. Kessel Racing very much a Swiss team. The cars just dropping their way into the endurance pit lane. Uh, and these are the quickest car, uh, no, not quite the quickest car, because Rina Mastronardi is going to do another lap to slow down, but uh, they will be straight into post-session checks. It down there. It's incredibly tight. You can uh, barely have the door open of that red Ferrari for the, uh, the other Iron Lynx car to sneak through. Now, in fairness, that is at the very entrance to the endurance pits. Yep. It gets wider on the way down, but you forget how big GT3 cars are. They've uh, become. It, it's it's yeah. actually quite difficult for the teams to work 
around them. Third place then for Iron Lynx number 77. Yeah, Claudio Schiavone was getting faster and faster. He set his fastest time of the session on the final lap. That is so true of the Michelin Le Mans Cup sessions with the bronze driver having to do the qualifying. Second fastest, Mikhail Bronizhevsky giving it absolutely everything and finding about six seconds on one of his best times to go down to a 223.9. We're still a little way away from the good times we saw last year, though, in the equivalent meeting. But the white and black chequered flag livery, Reno Mastronardi, is that telling of the future maybe later on today? He shares the car with Giacomo Puccini. They already have a win and a pole position to their name. Make that two poles now. And congratulations to, to Reno Mastronardi, who has done the business once again here at Spa Francorchamps, the 50-year-old Italian. Right then, 15 minutes done. We turn our attention now very quickly to another 15-minute session. It should be noted that often qualifying sessions are extended by a little bit because of the length of this track. It's by far the longest track we go to all year. Uh, well, actually, I'll give you the, the uh, rundown first and then I'll uh, flesh that point out. So the eight car of Reno Mastronardi, 222.882, a second faster than Mikhail Bronizhevsky's effort in his Kessel Racing 74 car. 77 third, as I mentioned, Skirvoni did that time. Murad Sultanov for Kessel in the 67 car was 4.8 seconds slower than the fastest. The 50 car of John Hartson missed out on a fourth place start. He'll start on the third row, therefore, on the inside of Deborah Meyer's car. Another Iron Lynx entered 488, car number nine. Has all the attributes of an endurance race, of course, the Le Mans Cup, but like much of everything else in endurance racing. And I was talking to um, some of the drivers from the prototypes, uh, including Nick Adcock, who will be out uh, later he on. Will. Yep. Um, and it's just a flat-out blast between pit stops. Yes. So how much difference is it between start and fifth or first, other than saying to yourself, well, we're a little bit off, you know, in terms of the time, but how hard do you try? How much do you take out your tyres? Mm. And, and what difference is that going to make? 20 metres as you come to the, the yeah, great... The great. What I like, though, is that, I mean, Michelin Le Mans has always maintained that it, it, its focus, as far as the driver ratings are concerned, is the bronze driver. Yes. And if you've got a co-driver who is employed to be the professional, and often, you know, that, that side of the garage is actually advising the bronze driver as to which championship to take part in from season to season, Go Michelin Le Mans Cup because you've got to do the qualifying. So there's your chance to really get faster and faster, but also not be phased by a 15-minute session where you think the, the scope of things going wrong here is quite big, but it's all about trying to become used to, get the brain calibrated to performing on a Saturday lunchtime. So LM LMP3s will go out next. And if you were with Johnny and Bruce a couple of weeks ago for the coverage from Sopipol Licar in the south of France, then you will know that there was an additional an additional mandatory pit stop that was put into the supplementary regs for LMP3. New state of tune on the Gibson engine uh, for the weekend, uh, for this season, should I say, which has given a little more power, quite a lot more power. Actually, great, but it does provide some challenges in terms of fuel consumption and to make it fair for everybody in terms of the specification of the engines and getting it through that the european le mans series uh, and lmem who are 
those who administer it uh, here at the Le Mans Cup uh, inserted an extra pit stop. That rule is here again this weekend. There are ongoing developments and data being collected by the engine suppliers. And remember, it is a spec engine for uh, this particular category of racing. So an extra short stop this this yeah. weekend, Johnny, and it's, you can explain that part of it. Yeah, well, yeah, because we, we were a little bit uh, stumped at times as to what you could and couldn't do during that initial, that additional stop. And um, it caught some teams out as well, uh, but that's, well, I suppose, one of the downsides of some hastily added in supplementary, almost supplementary to the supplementary regulations. Um, the second mandatory stop, which is enforced because of the rather thirsty Orica engine, Orica design Nissan engine, 40 seconds. It cannot be quick, so equal or greater than 40 seconds. What you cannot do is change the driver in that second stop. And United Autosports were one to be caught out by that because they actually did, because there was an early safety car in that race Saturday at Le Castellet, they did their pit stop, but they didn't do their driver change during the long pit stop because there's nothing in the regs to say you have to do the two at the same time. You can get the long pit stop out of the way during the safety car, then blast in, do your driver change, get out again, and it actually might have been quicker. However, they couldn't do their driver change in the 40-second stop. They had to come in for 40 seconds. They then pitted on the very next lap to oh, do yeah. the driver change, took them t t straight out of the equation. Yeah, and I said, sorry, I did say Gibson then. I meant to say Orica in terms of the uh, Yes, the they're, they're, they're a 5.6 Nissan power plant, 5-litre previously. Now, it's my understanding that some teams are still using the old 5-litre engine with a larger restrictor on it, giving it loads more air, about 35 more brake horsepower and from what i can tell from the teams there isn't so much of an issue with the older recalibrated engine that can do the distance but sadly the newly designed 5.6 liter engine from or again it's a nissan designed engine but it is tuned by orica and that's where the problem has arisen within the orica part of it and that's the fairness part of it to make the the playing field equal so that everybody is is racing under the same regulations yeah and, and that makes yes. perfect sense uh, to me in a race of, of two hours we're not talking about having to have strategy calls here and people having to go on extreme fuel saving so i think very very sensibly done by the organizers we are 55 zero seconds away from a green flag from the endurance pits at the run down to all rouge which is the little flick at the bottom which is, there's actually a little bridge down there. And the reason, of course, it is all rouge if you don't know the story. Surely everybody knows this story now. Surely they do. Is the high concentration of iron in the rocks and the water around here. So if you look down into that stream, and we've all done it the first time or second time we've come to Spa-Francorchamps, then you will see that the water does actually look like it's running red at times. Yeah. No, it's very cool. And, yeah, the, the old track used to turn left there, I think, and go Correct. along the, the, the brook, effectively, along the stream. You were telling me the story about this, about the customs house. To so the old customs house hairpin, yes. This area of the world has uh, changed hands uh, in terms of territories many times. The green flag is waving, so it'll take two or three minutes for the guys to come around. Uh, slippery surface or debris on the track flag being shown at the exit of the endurance pit lane there. So... Somebody has a little bit of 
a whoopsie. Ah, yes, there's some oil dry or something similar just as they come out beyond Radio. Yeah, just at the bottom of uh, partway round Paul Rouge, the track used to go to the left, and it was called Customs House because that was originally a national border there. And for a long time, there was a border post there. Paul Tarsi showed that to me the very first time I came here for, a, well, in fact, the predecessor to the European Le Mans series. And although we came as spectators and mainly to watch the historic cars, um, I ended up getting grabbed to do some PA work. Excellent. Which was on the other side of the tractor in the rundown. To drivers left as they passed the endurance, there was an old commentary tower there that you used to be able to see most of the track out, a little bit of the track off, but obviously you were working from, sorry, uh, you were working from the timing screen there. But the, yes, that, that configuration of the track, although some of the tarmac is still there, uh, that hasn't been used for, for, well, you know, since I was a lad, never mind anything <laughs> else. So again, long before you were born. Three cars rather late to the session, that's deliberate so that they're not in a long line of cars and, you know, getting blocked. Uh, not blocked, but just slowed by those still getting up to speed. It's better to have clear air out front where possible, and this is such a long track that you can release cars later yes, on, and point. hopefully that will be sustained across the 15 minutes. Uh, so uh, Tony Wells in the number seven car joining, and also the 21 of Moritz Krantz, which is the Mulner motorsport machine. Now, generally speaking, teams have turned up with one bronze driver, which you must have, and a silver or a gold. There are, I think I just counted two teams though, with two bronze drivers, so a decision had to be made. One of them is actually a guy who bumped into earlier on today, Nick Adcock, sharing with Michael Jensen, the Dane. So car five has gone with Nick Adcock, but they could have run Jensen in qualifying if they'd wished to. And the other car I'd spotted was that Morris Krantz machine of Mulner Motorsport, because Tom Cloet at his home race this weekend uh, could also have done qualifying. In fact, I think Tom did do qualifying at Ricard, but um, there is then also no rule, just to extend that, that the guy that qualifies has to start the race. You can jumble it up a little bit when we get to the race later on this afternoon. Nick and I worked out that the last time we'd seen each other in person to talk to was 2006 in the Brands Hatch Comedy Box, where Nick had ran all the way up to the top to guest with some commentary and me being me, the moment he stepped in, I handed him a microphone and said, so Nick, what do you think of that? And he could barely breathe <laughs> at the time. He's never forgiven me for that. But his uh, racing career has gone from strength to strength, loving driving these prototypes uh, this weekend. At RSL underscore studio, by the way, if you want to get in touch with JP or me, hello to Miggins Motorsport and to Kevin Payne and to all others who have submitted questions this morning. Kevin said thanks very much to Johnny Palmer for the explanation of the fuel consumption issue. It's important, I think it's important that uh, that we keep on top of that and, and say that everything is being done by the series. It's a situation certainly not of their making and indeed by the engine tuners to push forward. There will be reams, terabytes of data that will be again collected this weekend moving forward to the next race. Uh, no, nobody's holding their feet to the flame either about, right, you have to have it done by such and such a time. No. Let's just get it done and get a proper solution for this. In the meantime, we can cover it, we can mitigate it with the changes to the supplementary regulation. I, I, I think that's very, very sensible organisation and 
officiating in the broader sense of the word. I yeah. really do. No, true enough. Um, the, you know, the, the press release uh, out at Le Castellet pulled no punches. They did say this needs to be rectified by Spa in three weeks' time. Obviously, there's been further conversations since then. Big old wiggle there at the top of mm. Radion for one of the DKR engineering cars. That could well have been Jean Gloria, actually, who is the top of the timing screen, but only because he drives the number three car. And they're in numerical order because we haven't had any times through yet. But yeah, like. just to finish that point, um, obviously it's a fluid situation. They're constantly in conversation with Orica, and the solution needs to arrive ASAP. Will it be? Uh, will it have arrived by the end of the month when we go back to Le Castellet? We'll just have to wait and see. 15 minutes on the clock at the start of the session. We've already had five of those because half of it's whittled down by an outlap. Then you start to turn up the wick and really turn up the tyre operation as well. The heat of the day, the ambient temperature here should mean that the Michelins waste no time at all in getting up to the operating window. And Jean Gloria in the orange and black DKR engineering machine now heading to Curve Paul Frere. It's Blanchemont next, so you better hope that those tyres are up to temp. Uh, and it is still 32 Celsius in the air. Track temperature almost the same now, beginning having had the UV rays on it since the sub came up this morning for most parts of the track. I'm not entirely certain where we're taking uh, the measurement of the track, so it may be that it's been under a little bit of shade. I did notice that uh, in MotoGP, uh, they're doing it at three or four places on the track and giving you that and then averaging it out, which is very interesting. The teams were enjoying that as well in terms of how they were setting the bikes up and the, the tyres. So it is 30, let's call it 32 in the air and 32 on the track now. It's not too bad humidity-wise, 37% at the moment. A, a, a huge area of low pressure over Europe at the moment and that's why we're getting this very settled, warm weather with the higher temperatures tomorrow, there will always be a chance of a little pop-up shower somewhere. But at the moment, we're told by the weather forecast and the locals that it's going to be a steamer tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Jean Gloria and Laurence Hur, by the way, leading the championship by eight points because of their pole position and a race win too. So Gloria has already had a time deleted. So. I mentioned he was going very quickly. He did pretty much straight line Radion, though, so he's been pinged for track limits, unsurprisingly. Was a tough call, that one, was Not it? No, great deal, no. All four wheels well and truly over the red and yellow curbing. Belgian colours, as it often has been here at spa Frankershop. The One of the graph cars heads across the line with eight minutes left on the clock. That's the 26 car. To so the top as well, ah. Rory Pentinen. Yes, the Finn to the top by half a second to skip in front of Nicola Molini, who races for Cool Racing. The 37 car is shared with Edouard Cohop, and Molini and Cohop, both French, driving the Ligier. Racing experience, there's been... I think both drivers have changed within that because the Housers, uh, Gary and David, tend to do alternate races. It was Gary at Le Castellet, so brother David Hauser uh, has some driving duties this weekend with Nicola Mella, new teammate at the Luxembourgish outfit racing experience. Speaking of teams from Luxembourg, DKR Engineering has won, have won every single title in the Michelin Le Mans Cup at LMP3 uh, level. There's been no other championship winner to date, and the number three car is just heading into the bus stop chicane now to hopefully stay within the track limits and Belgian racer Jean Gloria about to 
register on the timing screen. Fingers crossed. And the number three car goes second. And only two tenths of a second shy of Rory Pentonen's time. So it's Graf from. Oh, hang on a minute. He's gone back down to the bottom He's again. He's lost his time again, Jean Gloria. I only caught the end of that lap through the bus stop chicane, but obviously he was wayward earlier on in it. And Gloria back down to 15th. It is snakes and ladders for the Belgian. Does that mean he's got to throw a six next time around? He might have to with <laughs> six minutes left, yeah. Time running short. I mean, it, it is... I think it's right. I know there's a huge debate about track limits and people will fall. But there's very few people who don't have an opinion about track limits. Um, there are people that say, well, you know, if there's tarmac there, you should be allowed to use it. And there are other people that say, well, if you're not in the white lines, you're not on the track. And the track's been designed safety features-wise and track records-wise. It might have ebbed and flowed over the years, but depending on whether it had grass up to the edge of the track at one stage, and then that was extended with a bit of hard standing or maybe a gravel trap or whatever. Therefore, between the white lines is the track. I'm very much in that camp. I, I, you know, and it's, for me, it's more of a safety feature. The track has been designed for cars to be where they are. As soon as you start going one, two, three car widths off the track, then the safety features of the track... And it was Eduardo Freitas who explained that to me some years ago in the WEC at Akota. And that's why he said, no, we've got, we've got to keep on top of this, John. And I'm, I respect Eduardo an awful lot, as does everyone in this paddock and, and many others too. And I thought that was the best reasoning of any that I'd heard and, and perhaps the only argument that should be taken any notice of because it's about safety i mean what i don't want is to to sanitize the speed that you carry through eau rouge and radion that's been a classic part of this bar francorchamps circuit for you know since its birth pretty much so you, you can't slow the cars down there that would be you know it, it would just be it needs to be sacrosanct the speed but what you also have to do is make sure that it is safe because sadly you know we we lost Antoine Hubert last year at that part of the circuit even with a significant chunk of runoff there's talk now of even extending that wall back further on drivers yeah. right and yeah. Radion and I know that further sanitizes the circuit but it is from a safety point of view it's also from fairness as well because you have fairness, to say here's the white lines you go as fast as you can between these two solid white lines and if you start stripping over those curbs you can't measure that anymore well it's it's safety it's consistency and it's in its fairness yeah. the other thing is JP the cars are getting quicker all the time and that, GT3 cars are running at the, the speeds of GT2s and GT1s not so very long ago the junior Prototype classes are as quick as single seaters were not so very long ago. You know, look what happened at Silverstone in the Formula One Grand Prix last weekend. That's one of the safest tracks in the world, and Formula One has outgrown it. You saw from the accidents that happened in places where, well, you're never going to get an accident there. Oh, but you did. The snap that Albon got before he put the car in the wall, the loss of the right rear tyre from Kvyat that spun him off into an area that nobody expected. We're at a stage now where the responsibility has to be taken, and I think that's why series organisers and series officials, as we have here with LMEM, Le Mans Endurance Management, who administer uh, Le Mans Cup, 
WEC European Le Mans Series, Eduardo Freitas and his team in race control, they have taken the responsibility. And, I, and again, I think that's responsible. It's, it's absolutely the right thing to do because it keeps us racing on these classic circuits. Otherwise, what you're seeing is, is we're going to change these circuits beyond recognisable limits. Yeah. Already there's plenty of runoff. There's already plenty of drivers controversially who say, well, Puon's not the challenger it used to be because it apparently has a supermarket car park on the outside of it. So if you go into there 10 miles an hour too quick, you ride over the curbs, you come back, you're back on track again. So it's a very, very, very... very much of a balancing act that you've got to get. And, and I think in endurance racing particularly, I think we've got that balance right, and, I, and I'm, I'm delighted to say that. Plenty changing in the top four. Jean Gloria set a time, 216.5, so that puts him fourth. But it's now Nicola Molini for Cool Racing, who is quickest by half a second. So Eligier, number 37, fastest from a Duquesne. And the Duquesne M30 D08 is uh, the car that was known as a Norma last year, but uh, Gilles Duquesne and his company buying Norma effectively, and that car becomes known as a Duquesne M30, uh, still with the Nissan engine, but the new engine. And that car uh, is second in the hands of Moritz Krantz and Muna Motorsport. So a good little mixture, actually. Ligier Duquesne, Ligier Duquesne is the top four. It's an all-Duquesne third row, as I speak, for Nick. Lamella for racing experience and Tony Wells for Nielsen Racing. And Moritz Kratz obviously feels he can't go any faster on his current set of tyres. They won't be changing tyres because the pit lane will soon be closed. And that is end of session for Mulner Motorsport. Feeling they won't be able to find that extra half a second now. And it's time to park it. But everybody else is keen for more. Yeah, no hurry down at Mulner Motorsport. They are happy with a front row start. Fingers crossed because... Well, last time around, Nicola Mella, for racing experience, was able to go quicker. He's now in the low 216s. Another lap having been deleted for track limits. That's the CD Sport. Jack Wolfe uh, has lost his last lap around. Again, coming up immediately on the timing screen. The teams are pointed out by a number of people on Twitter, at RSL underscore studio, of course. Um, the teams... During the team and the driver meeting, it will have been communicated quite strongly about what will be permitted, what won't be permitted, which corners have been particularly looked at. Uh, lap five for the number 98 cars just gone for a Burton as well. That's Eric de Donker in the Motorsport 98 car. So he stays in 11th position. So there really is no excuse. And... I noticed no warnings either as we're coming down the chequered flag no. coming out here. Just waiting for Jean Gloria to cross the line. He's done so now. I thought that was going to be better time than it turned out to be. From fifth to fourth goes the Belgian though for DKR Engineering. So no higher than a fourth place start for the defending champions. Tony Wells comes to the line in the blue and white number seven. Does he improve? He does. And goes up the sixth position, gets himself ahead of Morris Smith for Cool Racing 69. Trimmed a little bit of time off. Uh, not quite as quick as he has been in the third sector there, but he got up, uh, up the timing screen and down to a time of 2.17.0. 2.15.4 for Nicola Molini. Actually, not a bad time in this heat, I wouldn't have thought. Certainly not. Really happy and with that. I'm not sure he's done yet because he's done his personal best time through sector one. 37 cars still to complete this lap. 
unless he's going to get a radio message partway around to say, you've done enough, Nicola, so back it off. But here we go. Molina is in the final sector. That's one in Fermi. That's his car, one of those two, crossing the line now. No, we've still got to wait for him. What else happened Here there, Nicola Mella? Here he comes now. Oh, he has crossed the line in the Ligier and does not improve. It's a 2.15.5, so he's only a, a tenth of a second off his best. Nicola Mella also crossed the line for racing experience and again didn't improve but came close to slicing another tenth of a second off it. So Molini scraping the ground on the run through oh. Eau Rouge there. And the lateral movement is phenomenal in the slow motion uh, replays at the bottom of the hill and then climbing up again. So the LMP3s will be carefully guided into, first of all, the slots for post-session scrutineering. Various checks to be done there, including ride height. And probably turn the engine off, make sure it restarts again. So they'll be guided into their legal spot before being sent down to cool racing and where they are based in some very tricky garages actually in the endurance pits there is not a lot of working space there uh, the race this afternoon 235 uk 335 uh, in central europe just before half past one in the uk half past two in europe elms qualifying all live free and streamed part of the commitment to the fans can't get them through the gates here at spa but you can watch Sit outside, grab yourself a Belgian beverage and make yourself some frites with mayonnaise and enjoy what is going on the, this afternoon. Cool racing, fastest in the LMP3 qualifying then, a 2.15.410. Well done to Nicola Molini for, for setting that time and he was half a second faster than Moritz Krantz for Mulner Motorsport. It's an all Luxembourg second row with racing experience and DKR engineering third and fourth. Graf and Nielsen racing, Rory Pentonen who held on to provisional pole for a little while mid-session. Uh, we'll start the race in fifth alongside Tony Wells, Morris Smith, Eric de Donker, John Schaumann and Daniel Schneider complete the ten. And well done again to Iron Lynx, who took the pole position in GT3. From John Heinoff and Johnny Palmer from Spa, it's bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.